Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of DoD Secure. And once again, I'm your host, Jeff Bennett. studied this new um, NISPOM. NISPOM, and I do it in air quotes for a reason, because in spite of what I've heard from industry, I don't believe we are getting a new NISPOM as of yet. But what has happened is, as the title of this thing goes, NISPOM is being codified. Uh, Guidance is provided um, to clear defense contractors, and there are conflicting CFRs, and I'll go over more of that in just a second. So there's buzz. There are emails going around. There are articles being written about this new NISPOM. Um, And I just want to address the students at Bennett Institute or customers who have received my books or training that uh, they've asked a question because I've got a lot of emails from people in the community. Hey, Jeff, what's going to happen when the new NISPOM comes out? And so I always think about it. And so far since I've been in this career since 2006, there's been about three or four versions of NISPOM come out. Uh, I think it's more like three. And so what has happened is the NISPOM would be re Um, released with a few changes. Sometimes a little bit of reorganizations, but technically for the most part, there have been only a few paragraph changes, paragraph number changes, but the NISPOM has never really been rewritten, at least since I've been in this field since 2006. For example, change one and change two have been released but a few things were moved around, but for the most part, the NISPOM was unchanged, except for a few clarifying comments. So now people are asking me the question, uh, Jeff, what are you going to do when the new NISPOM comes out? Are you going to have to rearrange or adjust training? Are your books going to have to be rewritten? Um, what will happen in the industry? So I wanted to take a moment And I've spent a few days studying it, reading other people's articles about the change, and just realized that there is no new NISPOM uh, to be released, no new printing, nothing changes. And so if you don't go any further than this podcast or video, just realize that nothing changes as far as the current published release of uh, 5220-20. Uh, the, the NISPOM as printed and as published by DOD still stands. Now, here's the, cha- the change. Um, I encourage you to read further. Now, the genesis of all this buzz is online, and I'm going to show that to you in a minute. But here's a few point, points. Um, 32, now the regulation is called 32 CFR Part 117, and 32 CFR Part 2004 are redundant requirements. They both are documents that talk about National Industrial Security Program. Now, DOD says that they will, well, in this uh, 
document that we're going to look at, DOD will not be publishing the um, DOD Manual 5220.22, NISPOM as a DOD issuance in 30, let me rephrase it. DOD will no longer be printing its DOD Manual 5220.22. Um, this is the NISPOM that is printed, and it's the one that was issued in 32 CFR Part 117. So consider that the part that's getting cast out of all the CFRs. Part 117 is leaving. The NISPOM that has been published is based on part uh, on 32 CFR Part 117. The one that is remaining is 32 CFR Part 2004, and it is also called National Industrial Security Program. It is the one that is remaining. So basically, we're talking about um, assembling and removing redundant CFRs. There's a reorganization going on, and so this writing, this guidance that came out is talking specifically about that reorganization. But the interesting thing is this document also says that NISPOM change two is still a requirement that cleared contractors, cleared defense contractors must follow. So even though it's not being published as DOD 5220.22, it still stands. So I'm not sure what is going to happen with this, but let's look at some um, background. I'd like to take a moment to recognize one of our sponsors, and that's Mission Driven Research. And they can be found at www.missiondrivenresearch.com. And Mission Driven Research is a growing company providing technical services to U.S. federal government. The goal of MDR is to continuously improve performance in three core values. This mission focus is the core of MDR and fosters a highly satisfying work environment, motivating employees to excellence. And so if you get a chance, go by there and visit their website at www.missiondrivenresearch.com. Let's talk about the NISPOM. So the NISPOM in its current form is still standing. And there isn't even a link to it in the document. So let's go look at the actual document. Um, all right, so this is called CFR Part 117. And it is newly written on December 21st of 2020. And anybody who wants to review it can review it and leave comments. So this is a multi-page document that, that has some good reading in it, but mostly it is, <clears throat> It's not the NISPOM, it's talking about changes. So the purpose of this podcast is just to tell you about it overarching and one major train change that will be coming up. All right, so streamlining is the focus of this. Um, so the reason for this is that this CFR just codifies, and it's a, that's a fancy legal term that means arranging laws or rules into a systematic code. So the CFR is already a code. Um, it's basically the code of federal regulations. And so we want to um, we want to arrange the code of federal regulation into a systematic code. So there is duplication 
there's a reorganization of laws to remove the duplication and create efficiency or increase efficiency. What's unclear is that while the contractors are still required to follow the latest NISPOM, what's unclear is how the government will communicate the NISPOM change to requirement, uh, especially when the DOD manual 5222.22 will no longer be published in its current form. So on one hand, we're going to keep the current NISPOM. On the other hand, we're not publishing it anymore. So it's so there are a few possibilities that we'll go over. So the main reason for this is streamlining the requirements. So there are not redundant requirements out there. So um, I'll also focus in this on one of the most relevant and seemingly logical changes based on NISPOM roles. And that role is with the Director of National Intelligence. Um, you might know that the NISPOM is the oversight of the NISPOM and the participation in NISPOM requirements is shared by the Department of Defense, Department of Energy, and the Director of National Intelligence. So one of these changes or updates or clarifications makes sense logically as why it's put in, but the actual requirement itself is, is pretty revolutionary, and I'll tell you why. Uh, you might remember that the DNI, the Director of National Intelligence, has a large role in developing the NISPOM and overseeing it. Primarily, their role was to oversee the protection of national intelligence information in the hands of cleared contractors. Of course, I'm simplifying it. But DNI also has an executive role in relation to the um, publication of Executive Order 13467. And that's called reforming processes related to suitability for government employee fitness for contractor employees and eligibility for access to national classification classified national security information. So what does that sound like? That sounds like background investigations, right? That sounds like the adjudication process on how people are evaluated for positions of national trust. Um, DNI then became the executive security agent for the development and implementation and oversight of the effective, efficient, and uniform policies and procedures and um, these govern the conduct of the investigations and adjudications for eligibility for classified information access and eligibility to hold those sensitive positions. And of course, these are um, the SF-85 and the SF-86. Uh, these are the requests for these um, evaluations. Now, later in December of 2016, um, later meaning after the release of, of uh, NISPOM change two, uh, DNI issued the Security Executive Agent Directive three, number three. Um, these are reporting requirements for personnel with access to classified information or who hold a sensitive position to execute to the executive branch agencies or covered individuals with the effective date of June 12, 2017. Okay, that's a lot of words. And so if you're looking at this, most of these pages are covering what was said. There's a lot of um, writing here to say what I said in these two paragraphs. There is There are um, definitions of covered employees, 
there are legal legalese describing what the this um SEAD3 is saying, but I'm just going to simplify it for you. The SEAD3 intent is to promote consistency in personnel security reporting requirements for all covered individuals. This ties in well with their role of, in the NISPOM, as well as the intent to strengthen the safeguarding of national security equities, such as national security information, personnel, facilities, and technology. So the logical flow is because of DNI's role in the NISPOM, as well as their role in making background checks and granting of security clearances and protection of classified information, it makes sense that this would be clarified in the current NISPOM. So there are writings to that effect. So what does this really mean for cleared contractors? Hi everybody, I want to introduce you to a brand new sponsor. We're so glad to have Access Commander by MathCraft. At Access Commander by MathCraft, we believe security risks and lack of compliance are threats to a business and its people. We strive to provide our clients with the tools they need to stay compliant and prepare for the next generation of threats. Through comprehensive training, support, and customer resources, we transform our clients into security professionals with the know-how to defend their organizations and maintain comprehensive security programs. We support the mission of the FSOs, CSOs, and other security professionals who stand at the front door of our nation's battle against foreign domestic threats. With software designed to the latest federal standards, we help them to strategize, speed up, self-auditing processes, create new workflows, generate reports, and retrieve tactical information at a moment's notice. For more information on ways we can help, visit www.mathcraft.com or call us at 703-729-9022. All right, so let's talk about the impact. The impact is reporting based on the 13 adjudicative criteria. Um, remember, these are the 13 criteria, not only that a person will be evaluated during their security clearance investigation process, but it's also the same criteria that we're supposed to evaluate ourselves and each other with and report on while we have our security clearance. So this is that reportable information that we're always taught about in training. Um, this, the uh, SEAD3 identifies required reporting of data elements that are contained in, in the standard form 86, which is the questionnaire for national security positions, which we've talked about many times on this podcast. And it's used to request security clearances. In other words, the guidance issued requires that cleared employees under the NISP report information reflective of these 13 adjudicative criteria and any other items listed in SF-86. <clears throat> and this has always been a NISPOM requirement. We've always been required to report this. The change though is that the um, SCAD-3 requires these elements to be reported prior to participating in such activities. So, I'm kind of trying to make sense of it. Like in the first case, 
you, it might make sense if you say, I'm going to report um, foreign influence. I have a um, online relationship or I have a relationship with a person who is not a US citizen, for example. Um, I need to report that prior to that relationship getting too close. Um, and I don't know what that means. You know, do you have to report a letter that you wrote? Not sure. But if this relationship is developing significantly and this person could potentially have influence over your decisions or could be in a position to have influence over your position, um, they may never have this influence, but it's the appearance of it, right? It's the optics. If it appears that you could be in a relationship that could cause you to have doubts about your allegiance, such as a relationship with a foreign person, or if you intend to invest in banks in other countries, or you intend to run for office in other countries. This makes sense because we can pre-plan that and we can um, arrange for it. But one of the things you, that I'm, I'm kind of looking at is joining organizations that wish to overthrow the United States. How do you report that? Well, if you're going to report that, then you just won't do it. But I think the intent here is for the things that you know will happen, uh, we need to start that report. For example, here's the attention grabber. Um, even though that the, even though this has always been taught in security awareness training that facility security officers and security managers have been training their cleared employees all of these years, it's this is not a new requirement report information as it reflects the 13 adjudicated criteria, right? It's always been a requirement, but the new part is we need to report them before they happen, which is kind of falls under the umbrella of the original requirement. But here's the, here's the rub, here's the attention grabber. There's a strong argument now that we will need to, uh, clear defense contractors will need to report any unofficial travel overseas. Um, we normally do that. We go and tell our facility security officer, hey, I'm going overseas on travel. Is there anything else I need to report? And they'll give us a briefing to say, watch out for um, foreign contracts, watch out contacts, watch out for people trying to, to um, get information from you, be careful, report to the State Department where you're going to travel in case something happens, and et cetera. But this right here implies that this report should not stop with the clear defense contractor, that it should be submitted to the cognizant security office, which for the DOD is the Defense Counterintelligence Security Agency. So now it appears that we're going to need to require new training. We're going to, um, uh, to develop a reporting process that where it doesn't stop with the FSO. So some questions might come up, for, for example, this requiring training, this required training enforcement and actual reporting process will be from the cleared employee straight to the DSA through the FSO. For example, the DSC would have to provide guidance at this point on what should happen in this situation. For example, maybe you want to go with your family to Mexico and Bahamas on a cruise. This is pretty normal behavior. Thousands of people do it every year, maybe tens of thousands, maybe tens of thousands clear employees do this. So now this is gonna to have to be factored in. 
how far in advance should the travel request this approval is a question that I have. How does the, do they request approval? Do they go through the FSO? Do they FSO go online to the JPASS and whatever will replace JPASS? And then how does this approval get provided back to the requesting cleared employee? Now, is this approval that said, yes, you may travel, no, you may not travel? Or is this approval saying, I recognize that you submitted this report, have a great trip. Not sure what that's going to look like. And so that's where I foresee guidance coming out um, through DCSA on how we will execute this. But my recommendation is you as a defense contractor should be looking into this and expect this problem. So there are a few other changes that impact the majority of clear defense contractors. There's clarifications of who's responsible or for those who are responsible for accountability of top secret information, prescribed information, and classified document retention. And there's also clarifications for those who reside under foreign ownership control and influence. And I'll write and discuss these in a future date, but for the most part, these clarifications are already being applied appropriate. As I read these clarifications and digest them and define them, it appears that we are already supporting these in generally as a clear defense contractor and they are reflected in the training that we are providing to our clear defense employees. But for more information, just um, you can check out this on the SCAD that I just briefed you. There is a good, um, I'm just bringing it up right now. So this is, this is the SCAD3 directive, reporting requirements for personnel with access to classified information. If you wanna read more, um, you can get this link on the podcast, but it's at dni.gov. It's a rather long link, but I'll make a link to it at the podcast so you can go. But you know, you see me scrolling through here, get all the definitions, get all the information. I might do a, another podcast in a series of articles on these requirements alone. All right, but as for most of us to understand the the um, the NISPOM as it's currently released still stands. So what should clear defense contractors do or not do with this information? Don't wait for a newer version of the NISPOM yet. Don't stop what you're doing. Don't panic. Um, don't clear your library. Um, keep reading, understanding, becoming familiar with this. This is our foundational document for clear defense contractors to establish security programs to protect classified information. Nothing has changed. Only additional clarifications have been given. I recommend reviewing these clarifications in more depth, becoming familiar with them, and assess any changes that your organization may have to go through to meet these recommended um, uh, clarifications. I also recommend that continue using the current NISPOM for your security training. Keep referring to it. A new one has not been published. I know the 5250.22-M will no longer be published under that CFR, but there are a few um, recommendations that I think could happen. 
One is it could be repackaged and called a different DOD manual. Um, these, and what I mean repackaged is these clarifications are written into it in the appropriate spaces. Um, so it could be republished under the current CFR part or um, so that's the only thing that I really see happening. I don't see it being destroyed and never used again. I don't see it being completely rewritten again. It could happen, but since, since this CFR guidance has been put out and since they've said the change to of Miss Palm still stands, then that's the one we should be using. Um, continue to use this for your security training, your ISP or industrial security oversight certification. Um, again, nothing's been changed. It's just been codified. It's just been rearranged uh, to, to be more streamlined. Continue to apply the current NISPOM at your facility. As stated in the source, um, in, the, in, in this um, CFA, contractors are expected to comply with it. Eventually, there will either be a re-release or a republishing of the NISPOM under a new title or an acceptance of the current publication. So that's it, a few points just to wrap up. Um, one, CFR part 17 and, and, and part one, uh, 2004 are redundant. Part 2004 is the current standing CFR. NISPOM change two is still a requirement as indicated in this document that we've been reviewing. So I recommend going through that document. Um, there's some changes that are coming up that I'll cover later. Sometimes it just happens. In spite of living a life above reproach, you have an event that could put your security clearance in jeopardy. But before you discuss it with anyone at work or your FSO, contact Ron immediately for help to self-report in the best possible way. You can call Ron at 256-713-0221 or visit his website at www.securityclearancedefenselawyer.com. So that's it. That's the new NISPOM. Uh, I'm glad to say that it's not going to cause a major upheaval or change for us clear defense contractors. It is something that maybe the lawyers might look at, um, uh, security clearance lawyers and other, other issues as we try to implement this, this new codification and these new recommendations. For example, how do we report this travel and what does the, the um, travel approval look like? So hopefully um, we'll get some guidance soon. I'm planning on going on there. This will be up in, until February for comments and I might make those comments on there and they're inviting the public to do the same. So I encourage you to do that. The, if you feel that there's something in here that the originators of the CFR need to know. Go on board and make your comments. Until then, um, thanks for joining us. Um, I'm Jeff Bennett. I'm with Red Bike Publishing. I have links to how you can get in touch with me, but editor at redbikepublishing.com is a good way. And I'd appreciate it if you'd support this podcast and this video by visiting our store at www.redbikepublishing.com or visit our training at BennettInstitute.com, B-E-N-N-E-T-T. All right, have a great day.